Well, good morning, Draft Drafters. It's Thursday, which means we've already had college football happen this week, JP, but it's time for us to dive in and talk about what's been going on with our gauntlet so far over the course of the last week. We're not doing any of the weirdo games that happened in the last two days. We're doing this week by week here, but as we're going through, I've decided that it's a merit-based thing. We're going to start with what we think is probably the weakest conference and go through to the strongest, which we're always going to believe is the Big Ten until, you know, proven otherwise. Even if they don't have as many teams ranked, they got three in the top ten. So let's start off with the Big 12, which has three teams, period, in the top 25. Who's been standing out to you in the gauntlet for the Big 12 teams? Well, you know what? It's kind of embarrassing. Well, first, let me say this. (laughs) I'm battling one heck of a cold, so I may sound different. I don't know. People uh, might like the the huskier. Might like the huskier voice, husky man yeah, with huskies. It's, it's, it's brutal. Um, yeah, what I was gonna say though is, I still got to figure out how to add to this gauntlet from the Big Twelve because <laughs> the teams that I cover just don't mm-hmm. have much to talk about. So it's just Except a for ton Texas. of Texas. Yep, just a ton of Texas, and they lost the one game that I really wanted them to win. But that's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> from mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> excuse me, see there it is. Yep. It's kind of irrelevant from what we do here. But as far as the gauntlet goes, Quinn Ewers, man. <laughs> he, 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 all things considered, he played really well if you could just take over, take away the two turnovers. Amazing you know, how that matters, for 37, mm-hmm. great. 346 yards, great. One touchdown and the biggest rivalry game they have, not great, but okay, I guess. <laughs> We didn't get him on the ground, but yeah, he, he turned the ball over twice through the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it destroyed his draft stock by any means, but it, it kind of made me question it a little bit. You know, not sure. showing up in the big game like that. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, I, for me personally, it, it changed it a little bit. Like, is he QB mm-hmm. three? I don't know. I don't know. It, it left a, a bad taste in my mouth, but I'm a huge fan. Anyway, sure. um, with that being left said, left a bad though, taste got, in his mouth too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you've got, you know, Xavier Worthy showed up per usual in a big way, 8 for 108. Mm-hmm. Um, Adonai Mitchell was a bit quiet in this game. He's a gauntlet guy, too. He's going to go high. Mm-hmm. He was only 3 for 33. Javion Sanders, very quiet, 1 for 13. Um, yes, he's a tight end, 1 for 13. Maybe that's okay, but not for him, <laughs> not the style of tight end he is. That is, is definitely not okay. But what's crazy, though, is Jor- Jordan Whittingham. Seemed to be the guy at wide mm-hmm. receiver. I don't know if I need to add him to the gauntlet here, but he went for 10 for 115. He makes mm-hmm. plays when he gets in there, dude. So, very solid player there. Now, the defensive side of the ball, you know, Jalen Ford looked okay. Uh, not great, but I'm sure if you go look him up on PFF, they probably butcher. <laughs> for whatever reason, that's like PFF's favorite guy in Texas, just to give a terrible, terrible rating to. But, Jalen Ford was in there for eight tackles, you know, had one tackle for a loss. He, he did okay, and he's he's probably going to be a – I think he'd probably be a, a late day two pick. But um, some solid performances, but just not enough for, mm-hmm. from Texas this week. Losing to Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry. Damn. 
That's tough that's stuff. Tough and to say even one time. That's tough to say. <laughs> well, I mean, this might be, uh, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to shift it over to the SEC if they're going to keep it roughly the same time of year, if they're going to tweak it and try to, you know, put it later in the year, whatever have you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, a game that both of us wanted Texas to win because neither of us are Oklahoma fans. But Oklahoma's a team that I have to watch, and so Boomer sooner, I guess. I don't know. I don't feel I don't feel good about saying that. <laughs> but, yeah, Winningham might be a guy you have to take a peek at. It's 6-1-2-0-4. He's that kind of... Uh, you know, solid-bodied wide receiver. They may have to have some conversations with him. Smaller guy than him, though, is the quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners, Dylan Gabriel, and he's one of those kind of weird quarterback options that he's not towards the top of a lot of people's lists because he's kind of been around five ever, and you know has had some success in certain spots and then not in others. And again, he's an undersized guy, but he has that kind of. Uh, and again, nowhere near where like Stetson Bennett's at as far as like winning a Heisman or anything like that. But he's got this sort of weird, could hang on as a backup quarterback in the NFL kind of vibe. And he went for 285 and a touchdown, had 113 yards on the ground. And that's the thing with him is he's got that dual threat piece that people don't maybe take quite as seriously as they should. But again, the dude accounted for about 400 total yards of offense against Texas, a Texas team that until this point, I mean, they shut down Alabama. They were able to pretty much have their way with every other offense they came up against, but then this guy walks in and does this. So uh, Dylan Gabriel certainly somebody to keep note on, especially if Oklahoma continues to win and they continue to move forward with the season in an annoying fashion for you and me. Uh, he might be somebody we talk about a little more as we go through the rest of the year. Tyler Guyton, his tackle. Here's one of the more dramatic splits because you look at the the PFF does like a uh, a pass rush or a pass block grade and a run block grade. 73 pass block, 47 run block. So above average on one, well below average on the other. And so uh, one of the harder uh, games he's going to have, and that's the thing, like you can do cumulative stats for the whole season, gives you an idea where a guy's been at, but you see who they play against the top level competition. And this was not a ring endorsement for a guy that people are throwing around as, I'm not going to say he's in the top tier of tackles, but He's kind of in that next-ish group. You know, he's going to be somebody who has like a, a you know, top three round grade in some people's minds right now. He didn't play like it against Texas. So he'll have plenty of time to bounce back, but just didn't. A couple guys on by, Patrick Paul and Kingsley uh, Suamatia over there in Brigham Young in Houston. Flip-flop those, Houston, Brigham Young, respectively. Both of those guys didn't play. Not worried about them. Cooper Beebe, though, had another great game. 85 and 83 were his splits, and that's what you want to see. And again, it's we don't have to, to put a ton of time into him. He's good, and he's continued to be good, and he will continue to be good. You and I both have him as our top-rated uh, interior O-lineman, and we'll yes. see if anything does anything to change that. The guy who didn't help himself, though, is TJ Tampa, who's one of the – he's kind of angling to be the the you know second safety or so to speak off the, the board. Uh, didn't help himself too much this past week. Only had two tackles, one pass defense. And, again, that's the thing. It's hard sometimes to balance that stuff out. But when you rack those numbers plus a 66 on PFF, it shows me that you had a pretty average game. And average is fine, but also not fine when you're trying to position yourself for some sort of uh, success in this world against a TCU team that, I mean, has had a decent offense, but hasn't exactly been blowing the doors off people like they did last year. Anything else in the uh, Big 12 for you? No, that's what I'm saying. I got to <laughs> find some players. and that, mm-hmm. I, I go through this every time, but I mean, yeah. I just don't see a ton of, like, we'll get there, but there's not a ton right. of top prospects coming out of UCF or Cincinnati or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know? Well, I think you may have some names to talk about in the ACC, so why don't we jump over there? 
I do have some names to talk about there. Um, I actually, you know, I got a, a good chance to watch live a good portion of the Boston College. <clears throat> Sorry. The Boston, <laughs> there's that crud. The Boston College and Army game there. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if, if Christian Mahogany listens to the show. Uh-oh. I saw a lot less of that weird right leg that was kicked back. And this is probably <laughs> one of the – this is probably one of the, the better – three or four games that he's had this year. They're all mm-hmm. they're all very solid games, but he looked very good. It was against Army. I'm not saying he was challenged a ton in this game, but well, um, the team was. nonetheless, he, he continues to help his draft stock. You know, he, he's looking good. I think he could be one of the top five interior linemen that go in this draft uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, outside of that, you know, we could slide over to – uh, Miami here. Um, I did get to see a little bit of this game, not as much, but um, you know, I'll keep talking about Cam Kitchens and uh, Leonard Taylor being in mm-hmm. the gauntlet here. Um, well, Kitchens, Kitchens, I always say Kitchens. <laughs> you know, it, these were kind of quiet games from these two. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that they helped their draft stock a ton. They wouldn't hurt it, but um, I don't know. I was expecting more. Did you get to catch any of this game, Dan? No, I didn't get to see Miami. I was uh, I got to see the ending obviously because they played ad nauseum everywhere when you you know don't take a knee and fumble a football and mm-hmm. then lose a game. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm I not going to say bring that up. You're right. Well, I am. Uh, so I'm not going to say Kinchins was the reason why they lost the game because he's not. But at the same time, it doesn't look good when you give up a uh, deep ball when the only thing that can beat you is a deep ball. That's yeah, all. I, I'm with <laughs> you there. Like I say, I I don't know that. Kinchin's even recorded a tackle in this game. I don't know that Leonard Taylor did. I mean, these are these are rougher games. Mm-hmm. From a, not, I'm Kim kidding though. Kinchin's got six tackles, mm-hmm. uh, but Taylor, I, I don't know that he, you know, showed up on a stat sheet. It was quiet. Um, coming off from a week where I was talking about Taylor being the number one D lineman and Kinchin's being, you know in contention for, you know, safety two or three or something like that. Right. This this did not help them. So no. I'll look forward to seeing how they rebound from, from this game here. Well, if you need um, a game to of, rebound from, it's a game that, that ends up that way. You see a lot about a team, how they come out, if they come out fired up after blowing one that they should have won. Yes, and they absolutely should have won that. Um, but, you know, I'll slide over to NC State here. My guy Peyton Wilson, I'm telling you, this will be one of the most curious storylines to watch. This is a guy who's had an absurd amount of injuries, but every time he's on the field, he's just a rock star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 14 tackles. He had a sack, a tackle for a loss, a fumble recovery. What do you want from this guy? <laughs> All of those things, yeah. But I would still think, I I don't know. It, last week I had said that he's probably going to be one of those priority UDFAs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because I don't know what team, I don't know how he's going to do on the medicals. But right. this this might just be a late draft pick that somebody throws a sure. shot at, you know, like seventh round or something. They're like, hey, his production's insane. He's just made a right. paper mache. Let's let's take a <laughs> shot and see what we can figure out. <laughs> well, like this, we've talked about, up. yeah, and like we've talked about, when a guy is when you once you get past like the fourth round, it really kind of does feel like it's just dart throws to an extent, you know. So I could definitely see a team taking a chance on him later on, knowing that there's not a lot of draft capital tied up in him. Yeah, I, I mean, I might, I might, because who's to say you're going to get him, you know, and he's a UDFA and go wherever he wants. So, I mean, right, exactly. He's on the board the seventh round, you just go, okay, let's see what can happen <laughs> here. 
you know, maybe he can't stay healthy enough to be like a starting linebacker or anything like that, but he strikes me as someone who could just be like a special teams all-star. Oh, yeah. Just an ace. And just pin his ears back and go and be like, look, you hit him. Okay. Yep. And that and that's value. That's value in the seventh mm-hmm. round. You know, you find yourself a special teams ace, good. I'll yes. take that. Exactly. But that's all I that's that's all I got for the rest of the ACC gauntlet. Well, we'll uh, start off on my end of things uh, with Clemson, who's you know still kind of having a figuring out their identity sort of season. The two linebackers that everybody talks about as being two guys right at the top of the boards, Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter, didn't have spectacular games against uh, against Wake Forest, but they both acquitted themselves just fine. They certainly didn't hurt themselves. I don't think they incredibly helped themselves, but each guy had, uh, Trotter had seven tackles, Carter had five. Each guy had a tackle for a loss and a pass defense. So doing what you'd expect him to do. So very standard game for them. Nothing too crazy. Nate Wiggins, we're going to talk about, he didn't play. We're going to talk about Nate Wiggins a little later as well. Uh, North Carolina got back off there by Drake May, 447 yards, three touchdowns, 55 yards rushing and a touchdown. So, you know, Drake May doing Drake May things. And again, this is Mm -hmm. a a guy that you and I both really like as one of, if not the best quarterbacks coming out of college right now, because if he's doing, put it this way, he's doing more with less than Caleb Williams, aside from maybe the the offensive lines are about the same. (laughs) Uh, But this was against a Syracuse team that isn't necessarily top flight, but is still pretty solid. A lot of people had him. Uh, or they, they were ranked at one point in the season, all that kind of stuff. So, But Drake May doing exactly what you'd expect him to do. He, I can't say that he helped his draft status or hurt it because he's already as high as he is, uh, but he didn't go down, certainly with a game like this. And Kaimon Rucker, uh, one of the guys that's kind of jostling for position. I mean, I think the entire edge rusher class is wide open right now. We've wide had guys open. that we, we talk about as, as our top-end ones uh, that haven't really proven themselves yet. And it seems like all the guys that are doing well are like 6'1 and 250 pounds. And so it's very it's a very weird year for uh, for edge rushers right now. He had three tackles, no sacks or anything like that. Uh, Duke was on a bye, so Riley Leonard got another week to heal up. He's probably going to be out for at least a week or two. Uh, and at this point, he really does profile as kind of more of a developmental quarterback. If he comes out after this year, which I don't I don't think he should unless something crazy happens the rest of this season because of how stacked this quarterback class feels versus how I guess less stacked in our minds. I think at this point the the 2025 one seems like. Uh, so we'll see where he, what he ends up doing. And then Florida State, they had themselves, you know, a little bit of a game. Uh, Jared Verse finally got himself on the sack list again. Three tackles, wow. two sacks, two tackles for loss. So f- finally nudging himself toward where we expect him to be, especially after how last year went. Jordan Travis only threw for 170 yards, but he did that on 18-24. So solid completion percentage, two touchdowns. Still kind of, you're not quite sure where he's at in the quarterback pecking order. I put him uh, in the, maybe that, that just outside of the top 10 right now, but certainly has a chance to play his way into that, depending with, with some big games coming up. But Virginia Tech, I would have expected, I'm not going to say I would have expected bigger numbers because they kind of were in control of that game at the beginning. But Keon Coleman, three catches, 22 yards. So not a whole lot out of him either. One of those games where it seems like when you play a bad team, either we expect video game numbers or we sort of shrug off when you win by a bunch. Like they won 39-17. So if you win by a bunch, it's either video game numbers or it's you barely had to play. Kind of like everybody on Michigan's offense right now. So that's what Florida State's got, and that's kind of the ACC. So we've been doing this, you know, merit-based. Who's got the most teams ranked, or at least the strongest teams ranked, it was the Big 12, it was the ACC, but right now, number three, at least for a week, it's the SEC. The Pac-12 has more ranked teams in the SEC right now, and that makes me happy. 
Yeah, let's enjoy this. Let's take advantage of this moment, this opportunity here. <laughs> um, I will say, well, first of all, it's South Carolina on a bye week, so no right. Xavier Leggette. Dang it. Leggette news this week. And I'll oh, talk no. I think we need more. to lean talk... into the pronunciation. Lean into that French weirdo pronunciation. I love all right. it. Uh, Florida, <laughs> we'll get to a little later on the second half of the show. Well, so okay. I'll start with Arkansas here. Uh, KJ Jefferson, I don't know. This it was a it was a rough game for me. Mm-hmm. He, he went twenty five of thirty nine, not great. Two fifty, eh. Two touchdowns, okay. But mm-hmm. he turned through two picks. Ew. He also fumbled the ball once. He didn't he didn't lose it, but I don't know, man. You throw two <laughs> picks and you put the ball on the ground, and you you know that not an awesome completion percentage by any means, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. In a deep QB draft class, I feel like that did hurt him a little bit. Sure. Just a little bit. We'll see. He's got he's got a lot of season left. But you mm-hmm. know what? You know what's really hurting? Raheem Sanders. <laughs> My guy. Yeah. This was a guy who I thought could be in contention for, like, RB1 this year. Mm-hmm. I know he's still, I guess, recovering from this weird knee injury that they didn't really release hardly right. anything about. We don't know what he did. If, apparently, he was looking at it. He didn't tear anything, obviously. He missed a couple games and just doesn't look the mm-hmm. same. But not even close. Man, he just does not look the same. Do you remember him last year? Like almost oh. fifteen hundred yards. Yeah, ten touchdowns, like thirty catches through the air, a couple mm-hmm. touchdowns there. He's averaging like six and a half a carry. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, there. he was shredding. Yeah, he was shredding worlds last year, and this year it's just he's not. It's clear. That it, I have to imagine he's not healthy. I can't not think it's anything other than him not being fully healthy because you don't just forget how to do what he does. Well, here's what I'll say. I was super stoked about this guy because he's allegedly like six two and two forty, and right. he just looks good. Mm-hmm. And he gets me excited. But um, <laughs> if he continues to play, oh, he's playing this year. So he's a junior. He, you know, he's coming might back. not talk about yeah yeah he might be coming back unless he finishes this season on a on a very very strong note right um so, i mean we, we'll see um with that being said though i do got some bama players to talk about oh of course shocker right I mean, there's Kool-Aid a few mckinstry yeah Kool-Aid mckinstry he got some tackles this week he got, hey. in there, got five tackles uh, you know, he, he looked solid. I wonder what they gave him. You should look up a CSPFF with the game because they love this guy. They I thought he looked solid, guy. though, so I'm kind of on board with it. Um, Dallas Turner looks really good again, man. He looks fast off the ball, mm-hmm. like real fast off the ball. He had four tackles, but he had a sack and one and a half for a loss. Three of the four tackles are solo. He looks good. I mean, he is edge rusher one at this point, at, at least to me. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how we, we couldn't say anything otherwise. Latham looked all right. I mean, I don't know. He just – Latham still just looks, like, gumpy. I don't know <laughs> if that's fair to say. He just looks slow, and like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I, I'll say the same thing. I'm going to be a broken record with this one. Like, there's no way this guy's playing anywhere left tackle related. Sure. Maybe on the right. just feels like he's – gonna get slid inside even if he does have good size and good arm length like i i don't know it's not like mm-hmm. quick enough to be on the outside because let's be honest in today's nfl you know everybody gets bigger faster stronger even right tackles have to have the same athleticism as left tackles it's not that different right. anymore yeah i do not see it with this guy but i don't know i'll mm-hmm. continue to dive into the tape and then well real you know, quick 
Kool-Aid yeah. had, according to PFF, his worst game of the season at a 59.5. Yeah? Yeah, Maybe because it, he gave well, up uh, three I agree passes. Was it the coverage? Yeah. Yeah, three, coverage, three catches for 40 yards. So, and he gave yep, up a 32 I'm with yard. you on that. From the coverage standpoint, I'm with you. I just got excited to see him kind of <laughs> get did have his most get a little physical. Yep, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. He, he started to get a little physical. That showed me something there. I like that. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree with him. He, his coverage was not great in this game by any mm-hmm. means. But um, I think your main takeaway from this Alabama defense, though, is is Dallas Turner. He, he definitely looks like edge rusher one. And mm-hmm. very soon I'm going to do a little more – in-depth study on Malachi Moore. He came out of the very pedestrian game, just two tackles mm-hmm. in this, so nothing too crazy. But, I mean, this this is a guy who I th- feel like he's going to be more of a safety. He's probably end up being mm-hmm. a nickelback or something, isn't he? Well, with the way the league is going, doesn't, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm saying is for his position style that they kind of use him, I look for him to get a little more involved than rather just a two tackle. He's only got 14 tackles on the season, Dan. Yep. So, and then, I, I don't know. I'll do a deeper dive on Mr. <laughs> Moore later. But that's Sounds it good. for the SEC for me. Well, on the flip side for me, the Georgia Bulldogs, you know, I probably should have more names, but right now I'm just focusing on a couple. Brock Bowers is still Brock Bowers. Seven for 132 and a touchdown against a Kentucky team that was undefeated He's coming so into it. Yeah, it seems like Georgia sort of pulled the uh, governors off the offense this week, and it's almost like this is the first time they felt like they needed to show off, and they did. Uh, Cedric Van Pran had a 77 on the pro football focus list against uh, Kentucky, so still kind of solidifying his case as one of the top centers in college football right now. Uh, and, again, that's it that for Georgia. Uh, there will be other names we talk about as the season goes on, but nobody else is really wowing me right now. There will be more than two Georgia players drafted. Let's not – I'm not – don't get – don't at me here. You know, that's just where they're at. Tennessee had the bye, so we're not worrying about them. Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, you know, guy that uh, was kind of creeping up, uh, not just because of the Dart Vader uh, name and all that kind of stuff of the quarterback list, but uh, not a great game. Uh, they managed to get the win over your uh, your Razorbacks, but only 153 yards and a touchdown, 33 yards in the ground. So Trey Harris, a catch for 26 yards. Just overall, the Ole Miss offense kind of stymied in this one. Uh, so not much to write home about and a game that they're probably looking to forget because let's just say Arkansas is not bad, but they're not good enough to be causing that much trouble, in my opinion. So we'll see where they can go as they bounce back through the rest of the season. Mississippi State, Jet Johnson, your linebacker. Seven tackles, had half a tackle for loss, so nothing crazy, nothing uh, spectacular, but also a solid effort from a linebacker. Guys don't need double-digit tackles every week to you know to impress you, but you like to see a player uh, when they come out against a, a team like Western Michigan, of all, to, to put up bigger numbers than that, but all right. Uh, they did beat the Broncos, though, so at least that worked out for you and me. Uh, Texas A&M, McKinley Jackson, one of the uh, kind of – better interior defensive lineman. I think he's in that next tier below uh, Jason Newton and your uh, your boy from Miami. Uh, two tackles, had a 66 on PFF, so nothing too spectacular again uh, in their game. LSU, though. Jaden Daniels is a guy that uh, we just did a breakdown on last week, and he continues to show up in a big way. He'd be getting more buzz, I think, for Heisman stuff if they hadn't had the two losses just because of how they usually you know, do things. But when you look at what they did against a Missouri team that was undefeated you know, coming into this game, I mean, the dude went 
15 to 21, so nothing crazy on the number of passes he threw, but 259 yards, three touchdowns. Also ran for 130 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown. So this guy is at the top of the dual threat list along with uh, with Caleb Williams when you look at even I think he's probably a better runner than Williams. Williams is probably a better passer. But So Jaden Daniels is going to continue to move up the list, I think, of quarterbacks and kind of could be you know in that discussion for the guys that are coming off the board after the top two. Malik Neighbors was a beneficiary of that. Six catches, 146, and a touchdown. So, again, he's one of the top probably uh, after you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., the next tier of wide receivers, and continues to play like it. Certainly helped himself out there. And then Mason Smith, who had been having a rough start to his season, four, four tackles, had a sack, had a pass defense in there. So solid game for an interior lineman there. Definitely reminded us why he's good at what he does. Let's go out west. All right, all right. So Pac-12 team or conference with all these ranked teams. Well, most of mine were on by, Dan. Most of mine were on by. <laughs> so I got no Oregon. I got no Washington to talk about. So you I'm will this week, about, though. I will. I'm going to talk about Shadur Sanders real quick, though. Do it. Let's, the the guy who has the short. He, what, did you see what came out about uh, him yesterday? Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be in my conversation here. So Continue. He, he, had a, he had a rough game in my opinion mm-hmm. 26 of 42 for 239 one touchdown and then for whatever happens with his rushing negative 17 rushing but still got a touchdown yeah they, they uh, count so the rushing he, in with sacks yeah this was this was a bit of a rough game in my opinion mm-hmm. for him but i don't know that it it's really trending towards this is just something that's pointless for us to talk about with this 4.5 <laughs> million dollar nil deal right which is like the biggest one ever obviously but mm-hmm. He's staying. Well, that's his. That's his value. It's not technically what he's what he's done deals of. I don't think is it, or is yeah. that the the cumulative of his it. deals? Yeah. Either I way, he's going to get it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not too caught up in figuring that out. It's just <laughs> crazy to me. But with that being said, though, um, seems how the rest of the teams run by. I'm going to talk about some new names just for fun. Well, real quick uh, to finish off on Shadur, here's the one thing. You know, he leads the lead in the the nation in a couple things. You know, he also leads the nation in. Sacks, yeah, dude gets sacked That's how he way too. Always often. has negative twenty some rushing yards every time. They just count That's the that one sure. knock. The one knock on his game right now is dude gets sacked too often. Yep, which maybe that's part of the reason he just hang hang around again for another <laughs> right, year that to figure too. it out. Speaking of guys, though, I got three guys in this conference that are gonna hang around, but just because we got to talk about somebody here today. <laughs> Remember DJ Uagulele? Oh yeah, Uagulele. Yep. Yeah. Did you see what he did for Oregon State taking out Cal? Oregon State, number 15. How about that? 19 (laughs) of 25, 275 with five touchdowns. I mean, he said he wanted to go to Oregon State because they play a more pro-style offense, which usually is code for a more difficult offense, and people were knocking him for not being able to get Clemson's concepts. But so far, so good for DJ this season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's... Doing all right, I think, on the season. He's like 1,300 yards. He's mm-hmm. thrown for a dozen touchdowns. He's doing all right. Granted, you know, but we'll see. He's probably thrown for almost 20 because I don't know if those stats factor in. I forget what I looked at beforehand. But either way, very solid game from DJ. Also on Oregon State here, you got Damian Martinez, sophomore running back. Mm-hmm. Um, and this true sophomore running back, too. So Yep. He had himself a game, too. He's had a very – you know he's rushed for almost 600 yards, a six-and-a-half clip, three touchdowns, handful of grabs in the air with six. 
he, he's a guy we might be paying attention to next year. Just saying. But well, I feel like he's a guy that we noticed. Yeah, you know, we noticed last year too a little bit because yeah. as a as a freshman, he almost had a thousand yards. And it had six yards. Yeah, and, again, six, and that yeah. six-yard mark is kind of like what you and I look at as if you can average six yards a carry in college, that's a really good sign for the future. It is, and they're getting him involved in the passing game just a little mm-hmm. bit more. Last year he only had four receptions. He's already got six this year, so you know, it'd be good for him to show a little bit more of that versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, one other player, different team, another surprisingly highly ranked team, but Washington State. Yeah. What a DB, Jaden Hicks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jaden Hicks, he, he's another true sophomore from what I can tell here, but he's a defensive back. He's 6'3, 212 pounds. That's a large DB, sir. That is a large DB. This past, so he, on the, this past game, he had 12 tackles in this game. So I. I just wanted to bring him up because this might become like your guy. You know your obsession with these super big, abnormally long defensive backs. <laughs> so I wanted to put him on your radar next year. Appreciate it might be it, one of your guys. But he, he's got <laughs> he's got like you know half a dozen pass deflections on the year too. So we may find ourselves talking about him next year. Just quick shout outs there. Seems how everybody else was on a bye. There you go. What you got? Well, I got a couple teams that did some things. Uh, UCLA came off their bye, and Layatu Latu, who is our one of our top uh, edge rushers right now, I think that you and I both like. Uh, and again, he kind of fits the mold. Like a lot of these guys are smaller. He's like six three and two sixty five, so kind of a little bit closer to what we usually expect to see. Uh, three tackles, one sack, nothing crazy out of him, but you know, hey, solid. And again, we're not looking for edge rushers to get a hundred tackles in a year, but they need to be able to create pressure, and he's still doing that. Did not do anything to hurt his draft stock, in my opinion. USC, Southern Cal had themselves a heck of a game against Arizona. And man, tell you what, the Wildcats are a plucky team, but they're that that team that just can't find a way to get wins, but they do make everybody else sweat. And it was 43-41, to 41. we're going to see a lot of those kinds of games. Uh, the only game this year against solid competition that USC has kept a team you know, in check was, and I'm not even going to say solid, but Stanford. And Stanford isn't really solid, so just gives you perspective. But Caleb Williams continued to do Caleb Williams things even without, you know, probably the same level of production he usually does. He's only 14 to 25, but 219 yards and a touchdown. Got 41 yards on the ground and three touchdowns, and uh, managed to get the two-point conversion in uh, in triple overtime to close that game out. So certainly not the kind of win you want to see if you are a Trojan fan and expecting them to contend for a national title, but it's still a W. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Kalen Bullock, who I think we, we believe probably is the top safety right now still. Uh, six tackles to pass defense. Not a crazy good game, but not a bad one either. I don't think he hurt himself necessarily. Just didn't do anything to wow anybody uh, on a, another night where it would have been great to have a defensive player step up. And they did in the third overtime. They, they stopped the two-point conversion, so yay for that, I suppose. Uh, and then Arizona Wildcats, Jordan Morgan, uh, one of the top tackles, had himself a solid game against that USC pass rush, a 93 in his pass blocking. Only 60 the run blocking, didn't do a great job there, but pass blocking number still up there, and Jordan Morgan still looking like one of the top tackles that will be coming out of the, uh, the draft this year. How about the Big Ten? I know they don't have as many ranked teams, but all three of them are still in the top six, so we're, we're calling it the strongest conference. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid debate you've got there. Um, well, I was surprised. I'm going to start with Iowa. Surprised they got the win here. I mean, after losing Cade <laughs> McNamara here. Yeah, they but, find ways. Um, my guy here that we need to talk about, Cooper DeJean, DeJean, um, 
but it's a solid game. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a step backwards from the the past week. I mean, he, he had himself a game against Michigan State, but right. um, didn't do anything to hurt his draft stock here. It, it was it was solid, not great. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it was one of his best ones. He still, you know, showed some. Got a handful of tackles. I think he only missed a tackle in this game, at least from what I remember seeing. So mm-hmm. it was okay, not great. Um, but there might be somebody I just need to insert into the the gauntlet here, if you will. Okay. This is a guy that we, you and I both were a big fan of for Michigan. You know, And then he had the interesting uh, health issues going on and mm-hmm. sat out and ultimately transferred. But, you know, in his fifth year here, it might be time for us to start talking about Eric All. Remember sure. him? Yeah. He looked like a very athletic, you know, passing threat type of tight end for Michigan. Mm-hmm. But he, he had himself a very solid game. He led the team in receptions. Well, they only completed six. <laughs> but he had five of those six, Dan, for mm-hmm. 97 yards and a touchdown. So what more can you ask of him? But Well, and I could um, see that being, you know, the case going forward as Deacon Hill gets uh, his feet under him, if you will, at quarterback, considering he wasn't exactly expecting to play this season. I mean, the dude had a QBR of two. So we want to put yeah. Eric all in that in the gauntlet. He might be the only guy catching passes the rest of the season. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting year uh, for your Hawkeyes there because uh, what was Farron, the, the younger Ferentz has to get 25 points a game, and now he has his backup quarterback in. Whew. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. But um, I'll go ahead and kind of temporarily add Eric all to the gauntlet just because we both had seen flashes of what the guy was yeah. capable of at Michigan. I mean, he he was definitely you know looking like he was going to be a beast, but um, mm-hmm. he's that a being sneaky said, guy. Slot, yeah, he's sneaky. He could be one of those like you know day three value picks. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That just work out right. for teams and it went to the draft rolls around. But um, and hey, Ohio you, State here. you got a thing for your uh, Iowa tight ends that tend to work out in the NFL. So yep, yep. But this he's only half Iowa tight end, but right? Well, he's also a Michigan we'll tight end, so we love him. Yes. And you're rooting for a guy to overcome some of the things he was he was battling there. But, Plus, there's um, all things you can do with all. So many, oh, so many geez. nil things. So many advertisement possibilities. I think they still oh, have that geez. detergent. I don't even know how I I, I rebound from that. <laughs> Look, all I know is when we talk about Michigan tight ends, it's a shame that Jake Butt came along when he did, and not now, because so many things he could do right now. Oh boy, we went there. <laughs> yep. We went there. All right. I'm going to go to Ohio State here. I'm going to get butt of our jokes. Con- I'm going to get. Ah, jeez. Ah. He just <laughs> keeps it going, y'all. Just keeps it going. All right. Let's go. All right. So I'm going to go to Ohio State here. Um, I'm sure. I'm, you know, I'm going to start with. I, I looked this one up. I looked this one up. I already forgot what it was, but I know it was under 60. <laughs> it was somewhere in the 50s. Mm-hmm. They. PFF was all over. My guy Tommy Eichenberg for being bad in this game. He had 13 tackles, seven of which were solo. <laughs> I mean, what else do you want from a linebacker? Like, what right. do they? I don't understand how they just just destroy linebackers like this. But either way, I thought he had a very solid game. They did not, but it is what it is. You know who did have a solid game, and I guarantee I didn't check his his grade at all. But Marvin Harrison <laughs> Jr. another eight for 163 mm-hmm. and a touchdown. Emeka Abuka had a pretty quiet game, all things considered, 3 for 40. Um, I never thought he was 
wide receiver two or anything close to it in this draft class. A lot of people do, so I wonder if the rest of the world's going to start catching up and maybe some people like my, my guy, Dunzi and Troy mm-hmm. Franklin will start getting a little more love, my guys, my Pac-12 guys. So uh, I look forward to seeing if the trend changes there. But um, outside of that, uh, Denzel Burke, did you did you catch any of this game, Dan? No, I didn't get a chance to watch that one. I wish I would have checked his grade in this. He got in there for a few tackles, but his coverage looked pretty solid in this one. And I just got done saying how I didn't like this guy all that much. <laughs> he might be pulling the Dallas uh, Turner moves on me here and flipping the script, if you will, and making me look silly. I don't know, but he did yeah, not he, look bad in this game. He did give up five catches on eight targets, for, well, only for 46 yards. Uh, and so not an amazing game, but he still had a couple pass breakups there. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was solid. It certainly was uh, – yeah. well, his biggest thing is he's been missing tackles every other week besides this one. So this was a clean game for him, and that's a positive step in the yeah. right direction for that kid. I, it was the best showing I've seen since I've been really kind of paying attention to him when I'm watching mm-hmm. the defense. But um, another quick shout-out, have to figure out if we think this guy would go – Pro or not? I don't uh, like the Jake, phrasing of shout outs for for Ohio State. <laughs> that's fair. It, it sounds positive. Like Can't handle that. But yeah. Well, you know, it's hard for me. I, I'm going to give shout outs to Tommy Eichenberg. I don't even care. Eichenberg. Just the reason why they PFF. dinged him on the reason why I dinged him on PFF was he uh, gave up four catches and four targets in pass coverage. So they don't like that. He's a linebacker. And he's a middle linebacker too. Let's be honest Sweet. here. Sweet. <laughs> he's all over the field just taking people down half, over half of them are by himself but anyways <laughs> I digress mm-hmm. um, I was going to do just a, a quick mention here I heard, I've heard a little bit of buzz I've not done the deep dive into him but when we're talking about edge rusher being wide open JT Tuamuoloa however you say his <laughs> name um, well, you're he, doing he a, a, sack and a huh? so you're doing a brief dive I'm doing a deep dive later on him? Yeah. Oh, I, I will stop. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, give me your opinion because then I can well, give you mine later. All I was going to say is he fi- he finally got in there in the backfield mm-hmm. and some, closed the deal on some pressures, if you will, and got a yep. sack and a half. That's the first time he did it all year. Yep. So, um, I don't know. He, in limited play time last year, he only got in there for three and a half. We had some forced fumbles. He had two picks as an edge rusher, so he showed some versatility, four pass deflections. So, think he was a guy they were looking for to step up and make a big impact this year he had not really until this most recent game to me mm-hmm. but i'll let you take it from there on your deep dive sir well we'll do that in a little bit we gotta we gotta keep people waiting all right other than that you know i was it's just the another team we share do we share ohio state i thought ohio state was unfortunately my team no we share ohio state we did not want either of us to have the stench of ohio state the entire season that's just oh, rude okay good I feel like I always end up covering them. Dang, I need to let you do it. We yeah, right, yeah, that's your choice, man. I let you start, well, seems, so whatever you cover is what happens. So well, it seems how I just went through the whole gauntlet of Ohio State. Then I'll let you take the high road, and I'll let you run through all the Michigan guys. Well, hey, I mean the Michigan guys. This is another solid, you know, offensive effort for this team. Uh, and again, it's like you you know where you're at when the opposing coach says in the 11 years of head coaching that he's done. This is the best football team he's ever seen. Now, obviously, you're going to say that when you just get pantsed 52 to 10. Do you agree with that? Well, here's the thing. I don't trust anything I kind of like Flex last says, year's team so. better. Yeah. I kind of well, like hey, last this year's team, team Well, hey, if this year's team wins a title, it's better, right? 
Uh, I also don't trust well, yeah. PJ Fleck personally, but that's just that's just because he used to coach at Western. Uh, yeah. So here's what I can tell you though: against uh, this team, you know, when we, when we talk about the guys, Michigan has yet to be challenged, so they're not going to have the counting stats that you'd expect, right? But JJ McCarthy was still 14 of 20 for 219 yards and a touchdown, and he has yet to be challenged, and that's the thing that that's the positive. So you got two on the ground right? too. Yeah, you got a couple on the ground as well, yeah. And with his 17 yards rushing, most of that was in the red zone. Blake Quorum <laughs> hey, was 9 Hey, that's twice as many rushing yards that Shadur Sanders had, and he had also true. <laughs> well, J.J., admittedly, may not be quite as flashy as Shadur, but, boy, he does a better job of getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, Blake Quorum, 9 mm-hmm. for 69 and a touchdown in there, so very average game for him because he hardly played. Um, Chris Jenkins had probably his worst game, and we talked about him as being one of the better interior defensive linemen. I think he'll still be all right, but two tackles and basically registered about a 60. So didn't impact the game maybe the way we would like to see him do that, but it's not like it mattered because they still beat Minnesota 52-10. to 10. This is what it is, right? I, were you Penn just, State, I, was, I was super sad when they allowed the touchdown, too. No, admittedly. So now is everybody the most on the points defense. they've allowed all year. Right. Everybody in the defense is pretty annoyed about that too, I'm sure. Don't, don't get me wrong. And that's the thing that we've been able to look at with Michigan. It's like when you when you look at the players they've had, they are the least penalized team in college football right now. They're on pace to be the least penalized since on like a decade since I think Navy had about the same number of penalties back in like 2013 or whatever. And with and that's be, and even though they have so many backups playing all the time, which is usually where you see more of those things happen, the backups have been clean as well. So this is a team from top to bottom that is playing disciplined football. They know who they are. They know what they're about, and they're making it happen, and I couldn't be happier. Hey, I'm cool with it. To my other guys, though, real quick, wrap up this gauntlet. Penn State was on a bye, so nothing to talk about there. Uh, Braden Allen had 101 yards and a touchdown for Wisconsin, two catches, 14 yards, and that's the bigger thing for me because this is a big dude pushing 250, and if he can show any level of passing, pass-catching chops, this is a force to be reckoned with for Wisconsin. We'll see how he continues to finish out the season. Jerson Newton had seven tackles, which is pretty nice to see from your interior guy. Uh, half a sack, which gave him a half a tackle. He was just offended by my Leonard Taylor takes last week. And he's right? Like, you know what? Need to step Watch up a this. bit. Well, and again, John Newton is the kind of guy, he's going to be a good player on a bad team, it seems like, this year. There were thoughts that Illinois was going to bounce back and, and start getting up towards the top half of the West with Brett Bielema coaching there, but uh, it's clear that that is not the case uh, this season, maybe Devon Witherspoon was a, was a bigger reason for them to be as good as they were last year. Who knows? But that runs us through the gauntlet. It's always a fun time, and uh, now we got to jump into a little bit of beer talk before we do our deep dives and wrap this sucker up. What have you been drinking, sir? Well, when I managed to catch my cold, and here's what I blame <laughs> it on: I spent a good mm-hmm. amount of time in the state of Ohio, so two shades oh, of Ohio yeah. getting back at me. It's karma mm-hmm, for all the shade mm-hmm. that I I've been throwing, but um. I went on a bourbon hunting trip, Dan. So, so yeah, talk about your I'll bourbon instead of your beer. No, no. I will save the bourbon for another day because I did have so, some beers while I was there. Okay. All right. So I had something. It's a couple of Ohio beers. I figured it, it's just fair. You know, I should probably talk <laughs> about them. Sure. Uh, the first one I had was a, let's see here. It was a 550 West. 50 West Brewing Company. It's called the mm-hmm. Traveler's Tale. It's a wheat beer. You know why I grabbed it? Because it's Cause technically... It's a... Oh, hey, breaking is... news on our show here. While well, I was reading my notes here, Frank Clark yeah. will either be traded or released soon. Womp womp. That's, uh, that's, oh. that's for tomorrow's show. Yep. Uh, Talk about it's, Frank it's Clark a tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, it's a Hefeweizen. You like your Hefeweizens. I... You like your banana beers. 
It could, I'm going to say this. I'm going to be completely fair. It could be because I was sick. Maybe the palate wasn't on point. But I'm here to tell you, I couldn't I couldn't even find a single note of banana in this. It tasted oh, just like a wheat beer. No, it was just a wheat beer. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. It right. was drinkable. I wasn't mad about it. But I have two of them left. You're more than welcome to have one. I think we're <laughs> going to be hanging see. out this Sunday. Yep. Let me know because I'm still sick. Let me know if you get any banana and we can kind of update that little take later on. Sounds if you good. Will. But I, I did not get anything. So we'll see. The other beer that I had was I tried from Mad Tree Brewing, which is in Cincinnati. It's kind of like Kentucky to me. Uh, but it was a, a Zeigler. Okay, it's their fest beer, uh, an Oktoberfest, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was better than the Hefweizen for sure, mm-hmm. but it, it's, I think, it, you know, we do this a lot, it seems like, but if you just did an Oktoberfest and, like, looked up what it is by definition and then just did a solid job with it, nothing mm-hmm. great, that's it. I mean, it was there's okay. nothing unique about this. It was just by definition, yes, this is an Oktoberfest. Right. Is it amazing? No. Am I upset? No. no just, <laughs> solid know. beer. Will drink again. Sol- Not going to seek it solid. out. Solid. Yeah, I wouldn't seek it out, but if somebody gave mm-hmm. it to me, like, oh, all right. Right on. There you go. Yeah. Nothing too crazy there. Just a couple of Ohio beers for you. Sure. Well, and that's the thing, too. Is like I feel like, uh, unlike the, the pumpkin ones that we have that are all across the board with their flavor profiles, an Oktoberfest beer is almost like it's sacrilege if you try to screw with it too much, and so a lot of them do end yeah. up tasting somewhat similar. I stopped off, uh, I want to say it was Friday, Thursday, one of those days, uh, stopped off at uh, Trace Gatos Brewery, so three cats, I guess, <laughs> three gatos, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, uh, here in Grand Rapids, because uh, I was trying to get some work done, and now my new favorite thing to do is to go find a brewery and have a flight and use their Wi-Fi, right? So I love it. Uh, I'm going to run you through them real quick, because I had myself a, uh, a four-pack here that I at least rated i had to put a couple of them in that's how uh that's how fresh this this brewery is it's only been two years open so far but all of their things are cat themed which i know is rough for dog people like you but there's the the himalayan hooser session hazy and it's a ipa not spectacular it was very basic it didn't have a lot of flavor popping in it so it was like a 2.5 for me uh they had a cats and dogs and this is one dude that you sir probably would have been Curious to taste, but not to drink. It was called Cats and Dogs because it is a grape ale. It is an ale that is made with some wine characteristics as well. Grape so, or great? Grape. Grape? Grape ale. So yeah, like I said, it's hmm. definitely a, a like and the reason why I call it Cats and Dogs is because it's a beer wine hybrid almost. And it wasn't bad. I gave it a three. It was a solid so flavor. Me I would have hated it. I'm mean, you would have at least been intrigued to try it, but I think you would have had a sip yes, and been like I'll give you that. Okay, nope, moving on. You can can have the rest of this. (laughs) Right. Well, I had myself an Oktoberfest as well, and that's the... Hadn't we done that before where we we do a flight and I taste something, like Uh you talk being one of these sours? I think we did at Founders. Like, okay, I will trade this for any one of the ones that you have. I do not want the rest of this. (laughs) And then usually you'd laugh and say no, and then I got to take it like a shot. And and, uh, yeah, and you do, and it's, it's delightful to watch. Uh, but yeah, they had uh, they had an Oktoberfest there. They had a Mars, and then it wasn't too bad. Again, same thing. About three two five. Nothing spectacular. Exactly what you'd expect out of one of those. And again, my point being on all of this is these were solid beers. Like if you stumbled across that bar, you wouldn't be disappointed on it, right? Uh, but then I had two stouts. They had an Imperial Double Stout called a Panthera Partis, which or, or sorry, pan, yeah, so like Panther level with the cat thing, right? And it's a bourbon barrel aged one. A bit more full on, like I was looking for one to give to a friend. 
uh, from the stout side of things. And it was, it was a lot going on with that one. And it wasn't bad. It was still 325 in that ballpark, but it was just almost too much. Like, because those bourbon barrel-aged ones can sometimes be overwhelming with how many different flavors are going on. And this one was kind of borderline on that end. Uh, but their standard oatmeal stout, the the Bengal, and this one was a 3.5. It was a solid oatmeal stout. And you can tell, here's the thing I can tell. When you can tell a brewery does the the base ones well, you know you're in good shape. Maybe they're still getting their, their you know, feet under them when it comes to some of the more creative flavor combinations. But these guys do the basic stuff well. And that uh, oatmeal stout is definitely, it's a nitro, would definitely be something I'd recommend to people to try is the, the, the Bengal from uh, Three Gatos Brewery. And again, this is a guy, their main brewer is from Brazil. So definitely fun to have that angle of things added in as well. We may have to have him on to talk some football, but then he's going to start talking about the other football. So that should be interesting. <laughs> That's all right. Like Let's deep dive team. it. The same. All right. Let me, I'm going to start with the offense here, okay? Roll. Um, I'm going to start with the – I did a, a deep dive on two running backs and one wide receiver. I'm going to hey. save the wide receiver for last because for whatever reason, my note box is now blank. That has happened two Whoops. weeks in a row where the mean. last person I do a deep dive on, the notes are blank. So I'll be going off the cuff on that one, if you will. And you're on a thing. But, Hang on, you're 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 on. We're Google Sheets. This should automatically update. Get it together, Google. Yeah, I don't know what I do on the last one. I don't know what's going on here. But uh, okay, running back one. I did a deep dive on. I did a dive on Bucky Irving. So I'm gonna add mm-hmm. to the Oregon gauntlet, if you will, here, <laughs> dude. So very very solid production from last year with Bucky. I mean, he went for over a thousand six point eight. You mentioned earlier, if he can be over six, he's almost at seven. Mm-hmm. He also got 31 grabs through the air, so he's a dual threat back. But my notes when I'm watching him, he's got, like, lightning quick feet. He's mm-hmm. got great, not, like, stellar shake to him, but he's got some shake, and he'll, he'll, he'll you know what I mean? Like, he'll mm-hmm. juke you out your, your shoes once in a while. He's got some pretty adequate power. I wouldn't call him small or undersized, but I definitely wouldn't call him a big power back by any means you know what i mean but he surprisingly has a really good stiff arm he uses that to his advantage but going back to the power thing like what i kind of worry about is like he's got some thin legs on him you Mm. know most times when you see these slightly smaller statue like running backs you like to see like those those big old thighs you know what Mm -hmm, i mean just mm -hmm. the barry sanders the mojos like things like that he doesn't have those but man he's lightning quick and shifty very productive dual threat like i said Long story short, this is a guy who could go late day two, but I kind of want to say we don't think anybody's going day one. Not likely. Yeah, there's a world where this is – he could be like a top five running back in this draft class. I just don't think any of them are going to be a third rounder. Yeah. So I like him quite a bit. Um, I kind of want you to go watch a little bit of his – tape as well he's got dude his feet just seem like they're moving so quick <laughs> maybe he's got short legs i don't know like he's mm-hmm. shifty and they're always you, you, you know like when you watch running backs and you see them like you know approaching a defender and right. they start taking the shorter steps and mm-hmm. it, i swear it looks like he took 50 steps within a second <laughs> and then he just chooses a direction and he's gone he's, i don't mm-hmm. know he's fun to watch I, I had fun watching him another running back slightly smaller school have you ever heard of Kamani Vidal. Vidal? Fidel? <laughs> We're both deep diving on this boy today. Are we? Yeah. Go ah, for it. Let's, let's go. 
Let's let's nerd out on a Troy running back that we both obviously like because we both picked on him this week. Go for it. Yeah, that just kind of shows you guys we don't uh, talk about who, who we're covering before. Yeah. Man, that's funny. Is I was wondering well, why. I was like, man, I thought I I thought I came close on his name. Right, no, you did. I think that's how you say it. So Vidal, Vidal, I'm not quite sure how he pronounces it. But that's the thing. Is like when we have our teams set for the, the big conferences, but when it comes to the smaller ones, we just sort of you know, let, let each other kind of go for it. Yeah, but go ahead. What's your take on this, man? Well, let me say this. So Bucky Irving's 5'10", 190, and he's kind of got those skinnier legs that I was right. telling you. They're a little little bit of a worry for me, right? Sure. Kamani, not a concern. He's 5'8", <laughs> no. 215. This guy's like mm-hmm. a little bowling ball, and he exactly. does have some power. He's got the shake. To him a bit, but he does mm-hmm. not have the uh, you know the concerns I have. He's got power to him, so I put right. my notes. I'll just read my notes, and then I'll let you go into it. We'll sure. share this doc. My notes: short but very stout, mm-hmm. runs hard and fights for every inch. Seems fast. Don't know if he actually is, but he <laughs> right. seems fast. Mm-hmm. Good borderline great vision. Mm-hmm. Like he just seems to hit these holes well. Dual threat yep. guy for sure. Plays through contact very well. Mm-hmm. Great production. Um, I said great production again. Maybe it's not great <laughs> enough production from a small school. You well, know, it's like his production is great, but when you're going the smaller school like that, you look for like the video game numbers. But ultimately, I wrote this could be a very fun day three pick. Well, I think he has potential, depending on how things shake out, to, to even jump into the, the back end of day two once you actually start doing measurables etc and stuff like that like if he comes out uh and has more of a speed number than we think he might have right now when you look at at how things have been working out for him there's a world where he ends up in the third round right uh but again so all those notes tracking with you spot on uh pretty much all of that the other thing that i noticed too is that he keeps the ball like tucked in there real tight like I don't oh, think he covers you can like get in there. Arm. Yeah, He covers it yeah. two hands. He, he tucks it in there. It's almost like he uses his shoulders like a fourth point of contact. Uh, and that's the thing, too. This is not a player who slows down when he's going to get to contact. He, he almost looks for it a little bit or at least isn't certainly isn't nervous about it. And one thing you can tell is arm tackles are not going to work on this boy. Uh, he will. Mm. You have to wrap him. He's the guy. You cannot just pop him. He's going to bounce off of it. Uh, and again, like you said, he hits he hits the hole and he hits it well. Uh, he has a lot of quickness too. I don't know. Like we said, we need to figure out. I have no idea what this dude can run. Seems fast. I don't yeah. know if he's fast. But also, he seems fast. He's also five eight. So he's got those short legs. But against Arkansas State, and I'm guessing this is one of the reasons why you noticed him too. He had 245 yards and three touchdowns. But again, that's the that's the thing. He's got that home run potential uh, with what he did certainly in that game. Uh, and that gives gives you something you know to look forward to with with what he's done. But even then, the longest run he had so far this season is still only 44 yards. So what that shows me is he's still getting his you know 6.4 yards a carry. You know, honestly, it's not just a couple huge long or sorry, 69 yards is the longest one. So he's only he still hasn't had that crazy long run yet. So that's encouraging. But again, here's the thing. He's had 27 carries, 23 carries, and 28 carries the last three games. They've really been leaning on him. So one, there's the concern of how many carries he's going to get this year. But two, those other two games were 5-8 and 3-3. So we'll see what he does next week. If he continues to put up the the numbers that he did this past week, we'll be talking about him again. All right, my last uh, offensive deep dive here, the one I lost the notes for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went with... Roma Dunsey's partner in crime here. Oh, okay. Jalen Polk. Mm-hmm. Okay. 6'2", 190. So, very, you know, it's kind of what you want. Yep. And a wide receiver is pretty solid. He's had some 
okay production last year. So only 41 receptions for just under 700 yards and six touchdowns. This year he's only got like 26 grabs, but the yardage you know, per catch is up at 468. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I wanted to do the dive on this guy is because I see him getting a lot more love lately, and I guess mm-hmm. I didn't see it a lot. But um, to be fair, I think I still kind of think that. So here's what I remember from watching him. Seems like he's a great route runner. Seems mm-hmm. like he's got great hands. He's got great size, right? Mm-hmm. But when I, when you watch him, it just seems like when he catches the ball, he either A, just falls down right there, <laughs> B, gets tackled right there, mm-hmm. C, is right on the, the, the sideline and goes out of bounds, D, is in the end zone, or like... <laughs> There's only a couple plays mm-hmm. where I see where he catches it and does something after the fact. Sure. Now, when he does do that, I've seen a few where he's broke it upfield and, you know, made something out of it. He does look like he's probably fast. It's just really hard to mm-hmm. tell when it, it seems like whenever he catches the ball, he goes down within a couple yards of wherever he catches it. Yep. You know yeah, and I mean? the, the numbers bear that out, by the way. His yards after the catch are 3.6 right now on average. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. See, and I didn't get that far into it because I just go from what my eyes tell me. Sure. But I did go try to not like read like a PFF grade or anything like that, but tried to read like why people like this guy. And it goes against everything I said. (laughs) I love when that happens. They try to say that they love that he's got like violent hands and what he can do after the catch and whatnot. I'm like, when did that happen? Yeah, I saw him like a handful of plays he did that, mm-hmm. but like literally 80% of the time this guy goes down or the play's over like within a yard or two of catching it. And so that shows so you he's either he's not breaking tackles or he's not getting separation. I guess so. I mean, to me, <laughs> he seems like a good size, good possession wide receiver, solid route runner. He could be your safety net. That's about mm-hmm. it. Definitely nowhere near day one. I don't even think of day two. Sure. Maybe day three. Round maybe late round three. I see him as a day three pick myself. We'll see. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I and we've seen see, a ton of wide receivers. No, we've seen a ton of them come out and have good good careers coming out of day three. But yeah, like you said, he's uh, he's probably benefiting a little bit from having a lot of other attention out there. So this is not maybe a number yeah. one guy, but he's played a lot in the slot. So you know, potentially one of those bigger slot receivers. Well, I'm going to take over my side of the offense, uh, and I've only got yeah, two got players two. to talk about. Because your... <laughs> I'm going to do a quick honorable mention, though. i got to give a little bit of love to a uh, Mac running back, Ontario, uh, sorry, Ontario Brown, who's a junior running back. He's a 5'10", 219, so similar in stature to uh, Kamani. Had 280 yards and four touchdowns versus Akron. Now, that's Akron, not a good team. We'll see. If he does more in the future, we'll talk about him a little more. But the other running back I'm going to talk about is a guy that a lot of people have towards the top of the running back list this year, and that's Trey Benson at Florida State. This dude is 6'1", 223, so he's got the body that you want to see at the next level for a running back. And that's the thing. I didn't look at his at those numbers before I watched the tape. This dude looked solid, but he didn't look to me like 6'1", 223. And what that means is he looks like he's shiftier than what you'd think of for a guy that seems like he's going to be more of a, of a solid uh, back. So shifty, he runs through contact. He's another guy uh, that he doesn't necessarily look like he has blazing quickness, 
but he does have that top end next year. Like he doesn't hit the whole like, uh, and again, partially because he's a lot bigger. But like uh, you know, what we saw last year with Keaton Mitchell, who we just know just had that mm-hmm. that pop. He doesn't necessarily have that in the sense that you just you don't see the instant acceleration. But he still hits the hole with speed. Uh, he runs through arm tackles. He's another guy that you're not going to bring down by just bumping him. You're not going to bring him down by just sticking your arm out there and grabbing him. Uh, he does, even for his size, he has quick strides. You see the way he runs. He's one of those guys where like the legs kind of feel like a blur again, right? But he doesn't seem you know, slight like your boy from, uh, from Oregon. He's definitely a solid body. Uh, hits holes again. And the one other thing with him, too, is he's shown that he can contribute in the return game as well. If you've got a bigger return guy, I mean, look, he's... Very patient when he tries to get to his holes and to the edges. And so this is a guy who's not just a hammer you know, down the middle. He's going to be patient. He's going to look for his openings. I haven't seen um, like a ton of what he's done in the passing game. He's had nine for 93 yards, which is nice. Last year, he only had 13 catches. So if they can continue to get him you know, up there uh, with the receiving, this is really going to show up as he's already one of the top running backs in a lot of people's minds just because you tend to see the guys in the Power 5 conferences. But uh, averaging 7.6 right now partially because he ripped off an 85 yarder uh in i think in that game against syracuse last week but or one of the one of the earlier games this this year but yeah so solid player size wise great production wise great definitely going to be towards the top of the list especially if he continues to perform that way as they go through the season you've been paying any attention to trey benson not enough all right, well, you you give me a video to watch on Oregon. I'll give you a video to watch on Florida State because Trey Benson's a guy. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of highlights from this year yet because we're still waiting for people to make those tapes. But especially if you watch last year's stuff, he's he's got some pop. Other player I'm going to talk about, I would double up on the small school t- this time. Went to your Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. You love those boys. Mm-hmm. Malachi Corley. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Junior wide receiver. Mm-hmm. This is a dude who's 5'11", 210. Last season... 101 catches, 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. This year... Did you see the look uh, on my face when I said, mm-mm? Uh-huh, yeah. Right. <laughs> He's a guy we gave a couple honorable mentions to last year and said we yeah. might talk about him next year. Yeah, and we're talking about him because, again, uh, this past uh, last week um, had eight catches for 81 yards. Uh, so, again, or sorry, uh, had a very solid game there for what we've been looking for out of him. And he's a guy, again, it's it's a little bit harder sometimes to find, you know, highlights, if you will, on some of the smaller school guys just, just because of the way that people tend to, you know, pay attention to uh, everything. But he's a guy, again, who had last year had a lot going on for him. He's already got 37 catches this year. Uh, and this last game, 8 for 207. Uh, and then 8 for 81 uh, the week before. But 8, 207, three touchdowns against Louisiana Tech. And it wasn't like it was a game where they blew him out. They only won 35-28. So last year, almost 1,300 yards. This year in what what have they had, five, six games? In six games, he's already up to you know 538 yards. So he's trending to go over 1,000 yards again. But again, 5'11", 210. So not as big of a guy, but he's, he's showing that quick acceleration. And the thing that I appreciated about him when I was watching the tape was he's willing to take contact. So at 5'11", and 210, he's running back-ish. When you look at the way that he moves with the ball after he makes a catch, unlike you know other wide receivers we just talked about, this guy doesn't seem like he minds you know making contact, and also doesn't seem he seems like he can make something happen with the ball in his hands after the catch as well. So Malachi Corley is a guy that's probably going to get added to the little small school gauntlet that I'm prepping for next week. What do you got on defense? Defense, I got a lot of fun. Let's get into it. I have no idea how to say the name. <laughs> uh, Princely, you man me, Ellen. Sure. Sorry, Princely. Did I get it? I probably I nail not. it. 
No. I feel like I broke it. Um, so this is a lighter edge rusher, maybe. Well, lighter for other years. He seems he seems like he's more of an outside linebacker like vibe to me, but because mm-hmm. he just seems a little thin. Maybe you can put on weight, but dude, you look. Sometimes he's listed at two forty five. Sometimes he's listed around two fifty five to two sixty. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I'm here to tell you, he looks like he's a heck of a lot closer to two forty five than two sixty. Gotcha. Because if he's two sixty, I. I don't know where this weight's at because he does look a little <laughs> lean, but um, well, he's got yeah, a six foot a, five a, frame though. So, yeah, he, he's a great athlete, man. This guy's got a, a super sweet spin move. Mm-hmm. I enjoy watching that from time to time. He plays very aggressive. He accelerates very quickly. Like I said, it kind of matches with the athleticism that I see. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely seems like this dude can fly for an edge rusher. I, I, like I, when you see him run the forty, I bet you he's going to fly. But sure. with that being said, maybe he's going to have to lose some of that speed because I do think he's going to need to add some weight and or strength. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some solid production because uh, last year, you know, he had only had four and a half sacks, but he also had like ten tackles for a loss. Mm-hmm. So, so that, those know, count. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this year, off to a slow start. Two sacks, four tackles for a loss. But what's crazy is that's not that bad compared to some of these other people. It seems like all the edge rushers are having slow starts this year. So, well, I'm about to uh, to bring some other is knowledge it? to you because I know you don't always dig into the PFF stuff. But whenever you start talking about someone, I got to go check them out because I want to see what the analytics say. This dude, here's the thing: you talk about a slow start for the counting stats. He is fifth in the country in total pressures, so he may not be getting. The yeah, he's not closing the deals, yet, but so, he's, he's real quick before you read any more. Before before you read any more, mm-hmm. the last bit of notes I had is that he do, he's a day two pick right now. Could Great. play his way in the first round, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't seem to close the deal. All right, go ahead. There you go. No, that's what it is. But that's one of those things where it's interesting. Uh, I because we're only halfway through the season, I give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt that maybe he's getting there and he's going to get there and he's going to start closing the deal. But the fact that he's getting pressure is a good sign. He actually has, if you look at the pass rush grades, he has like the fifth highest pass rush grade in uh, like in college football right now. He's right up there with with our boy Leatu Latu. He just doesn't hasn't gotten the the sack numbers yet and the tackle for loss numbers yet. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy I got to take a peek at uh, on your Florida Gators there, man. Yeah. He's a guy who I could see growing on me throughout the, the season for sure and play his way into round one. Like I said, right now, mm-hmm. I still think he's got to be a day two pick, but... That can change. Yep. Um, got a couple DBs to talk about here. Mm-hmm. One guy I've kind of I've hinted towards wanting to talk about him in the past, and I've never done it. Finally pulled the trigger. I can say that I'm a fan. Look this guy up while I'm talking. Kalen Carson from Wake Forest. Aha. Yep. Okay. Cornerback. He, he's he, I, he. I'll just read the note so I put him down. Just raw. I like it raw. Cornerback who's got a little safety in him. He's a great tackler for a cornerback, obviously. That's where a little bit of the safety comes in. Right. He plays the ball really well. A uh, little undersized, allegedly, uh, you know, because I don't know if these height weight numbers are accurate, uh, <laughs> but not bad. Uh, created some turnovers the past two years, but very solid production with, like, an absurd amount of deflections, like, to be honest with you. So, like, mm-hmm. again, that's kind of like the he gets in there and knocks the ball down. If he just closed that, and had a couple more turnovers, like people might be looking at him a lot differently. You know what I mean? But either way, I'll take the deflections. That's a huge play from a cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, smooth, balanced athlete, 
most of all, he's got great awareness. He gets his head around a lot. But I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you what, if he doesn't, like, if he can't find a way to continue to get his head around, the yellow will fly <laughs> on this guy. He is physical. He's got his hands on you, but he's always got his head turned and playing the ball. So he's getting away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a second, a day two pick, sure. probably second round pick right now. I definitely think this is another player who could play their way into the first round. I haven't done a ton of cornerback tape yet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I like Cooper DeGene a lot, but right. I'm just I watched his tape and I got more excited than when I watched Kool Aid. Well, you know what's fun about all that? What's that? PFF's got him to 65. Yeah, that makes me feel great. <laughs> right? <laughs> Watch, they'll come around on him too. I I like Kalen Carson, man. What sure. do they say about him? I think when you're looking at the numbers, really the big thing is that he's um, he only has one pass defense right now, according to their numbers, uh, so far this season. And it just seems like his coverage numbers are average at best, and he's missed a couple tackles, and they really ding guys hard when they miss a few tackles, especially in a, for a corner that doesn't generally tend to get a ton of tackles. So they, they his tackle numbers outside of the game against Clemson have not been great, and so I think that's one of the reasons why they've got him. You know, dinging him down there. And then it's always funny when you get uh, a corner getting pass rush numbers because, you know, they always have, like, a couple of blitzes in a, in a season, and so that tends to throw things off too. But, yeah, so far mixed bag when you look at the analytic numbers. But, like you said, that's why you See, trust your eyes. Yeah, and, I you know, I go look at his stats here, and he's, you know, halfway-ish through his fourth year, but he's got 21 pass deflections so far. Sure, just not this season. <laughs> No, he's got three this season. The past two, seven, his first year, four. Now, where do you go for your stats? Because it's always fun to see. I, th- I feel like PFF does not credit I go nearly to as sports, many stats. Sportsreference.com. Yeah, PFF does not count nearly as many counting stats as Sports Reference. Don't, don't yeah, know why. Not why. sure why they do it that way, but yeah. It is what it is. Either yep. way, I my eyes tell me this is a day two guy that I kind of like a lot. And like there you I go. Say, there's potential for him to play in a late day one, but we'll see. He's still mm-hmm. day two. Right now. Um, last guy here, Tyler Newbin. So we just watched him play against Michigan. Obviously, you would think 52 to 10, not that great. I know he came out with like seven tackles for a safety. He's not a corner, right. but um, I, it wasn't the greatest. I mean, how could you say anybody on Minnesota's <laughs> defense played good in mm-hmm. that? But, I mean, all things considered, this is a fifth-year guy, but he's got a ton of of interceptions mm-hmm. as a safety. Like, how many interceptions do you think Tyler Newbin has? Well, you said a ton, so i got to say, like, ten. Yeah, what's a ton? Ten sounds like a lot. Okay, well, you're close. He's got eight. Okay. But, I mean, cornerbacks don't get more than, like, three receptions, four. That's pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Safeties get a couple. He's got eight. <laughs> So that's that's a lot. I mean, that's not just a coincidence. And this is kind of what I was telling you when you're mm-hmm. kind of hard on Emmanuel Forbes last year. He had like 13. I understand the dude looks like he's got the legs of a rooster, but right. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, there's no way you can just be in the right spot at the right time like 13 times or even eight times. He's got a ton right. of picks. That's not a coincidence. He's a big, aggressive tackler. Um it's like he overemphasizes his wrapping up abilities. Like he always spreads his wings out like he's flying, you know what I mean? And attacks <laughs> right, aggressively. To make sure he gets Sometimes there, yeah. those whiff a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that he wraps well, but I also see where he doesn't because he's just, sure. he wraps weird in a way. But mm-hmm. uh, 
here's the problem with him. He he lowers his shoulder, and he's trying to knock you into last week is what he's trying to do. <laughs> but he dips mm-hmm. his head oh. every time. Yeah. So if he, you know, if he lowers that shoulder and dips the head and manages to hit somebody high, again, similar to Kalen Carson, the yellow is going to fly mm-hmm. on this one. He could get some flags. He needs to keep that face mask up. Well, and also uh, with closest- the head down, he could miss the tackle too. Correct, but he's 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 a pretty solid tackler. Um, I would say this: he closes extremely quick. Like once he sees who's got the ball, so I feel like he's got good acceleration because he closes on the tackler or the, the ball carrier really quick. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this guy's fast. Okay, I think he accelerates quickly. I don't think he's a fast player. More to, more to come for that, I guess. Sure. I do think he's a late first round pick. If well, not he's, early second for he's sure. He's in the conversation for like that second safety. Like I said, I feel like it's pretty wide open with about five different guys that could be the number two safety off the board, and he's certainly in there. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I would say I'm a fan. I want to watch more of him. I mean, it's curious to me how, how can you not be a fan of a guy who is a good tackler who creates that many turnovers mm-hmm. with that size? Sure. Yeah. I, mean, no, I agree with all that. There's something there. Right. Well, I'm going right, to stay in the me. Big Ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten here and uh, talk about the guy that you briefly mentioned, and that's JT Tui Mololo. Not how you I say it. I did better name. than that. I Probably. tried to sell it. <laughs> so, but JT uh, is a guy that we've seen uh, for, uh, with Ohio State for the last couple seasons. And here's the thing. This is a, a body that, that is a little more stereotypical for an edge guy at 6'4", 270. Here's the thing about him, though, from watching his tape, from how they go about it, he's got, dude has a motor for days. Love love the energy, love the intensity. He's got that, uh, you know, that, I don't know if he's Samoan, but the Islanders sort of just vibe about him. It's like the crazy hair, just everything about him is exactly what you'd expect out of uh, some of the guys that, uh, you know, that have come out of that part of the world. And, man, I absolutely love it. Uh, he anchors really well against the run. This is a dude who's not get pushed around by tackles. Even only at 270, he's probably given up you know, 50 pounds to some of these guys. He stays anchored really well. He manages to fight through blocks, stuff like that. So he's really, really great with that. But here's the thing, the good and the bad. You talk about the pass defense that he's had and the interceptions. This guy is really good at getting his hands up in passing lanes. He's really good at getting, you know, at jumping up and, and creating some havoc. And that's where at least one of those he had a he had a pick six that came off of him just getting his hands up in the air on a on a swing pass that was going outside. So all of those are great notes. This is not a pass rusher. The fact that he got a sack and a half is is impressive for him because this dude does not get after the quarterback. In my opinion, watching his tape, he spends too much time hand fighting with the tackle, which is fine if you're doing run blocking, right? Because he's he's sitting there, he's sitting at the edge, he's going to fight his way off that block, get the running back, but he doesn't create a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. It's just it's almost like it's not his game. He's like he's the the old school other end, you know, he used to have the rush end and then the 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 run end if you will. That's kind of his game. It seems like He's perfectly content sitting there, fighting a block, getting his hands up in the passing lane, but not creating a ton of pressure on the quarterback. So you can say that's a, a flaw, which I personally think it is, when you're trying to, to give, figure, out, figure out guys to the next level, but he just doesn't create pressure. At least he hasn't so far. So I don't know if he's going to figure something out. He's not a speed rusher. He's not a guy who's going to bend around the edge. He's a guy who seems like he's going to try to slap fight you for a bit and try to find a way around you. But even then, he didn't do that very often. So it's not... He's a, an atypical 
edge rusher from when we talk about here. He's more of an edge setter than an edge rusher. So that's kind of my angle with him. Good to see him get some some sacks in this last game, but I'll be curious to see if he gets any more throughout the rest of the season. You obviously looked at him, so you got anything else you want to say? No, I, d- I didn't. Point? I haven't watched his tape. That's why I was kind gotcha. of nodding, taking it into consideration. I just mm-hmm. noticed that I, I he stood out in the game because he got the sack. Right. But I was like, it's more of like, I gave him an honorable mention because of the box score, if sure. you will. But again, you know that's I mean? the he thing. He made like, an so... impact in that game, but I have right. not done the deep dive on him. So from what you're saying, it sounds like he's a guy who needs to probably put on some more weight and try to slide inside. Potentially, yeah. And again, we'll see where, where that goes for him. Or he just ends up being a non-traditional you know, positional player that, that you put out there. You know you're not going to get the production from him, but you sneak a, an ed, and a, like an outside linebacker, a smaller guy you know, there. Maybe he's more of a, a 3-4 kind of guy, too. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Danny Stussman is a dude that we talked about briefly earlier in the season, then sort of dropped off. But I think he's earned his way to try to get back into this conversation as another middle linebacker. At 6'4", 241, he is very much middle linebacker size there for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, here's the thing about him. He's, again, this is a mixed bag. So JT is going to get some buzz for first round just because the edge rusher class looks like it's a little bit you know, chop right now. I don't think he's a first rounder. I think he's more second, third rounder. Stutzman, same kind of deal. I don't think he's a first round guy, but I also don't know how many linebackers are going to go in the first round. You know, they're getting dinged as well as they are right now with positional value. He's a very willing tackler. This dude will go at blockers. He will get downhill. He will get after the ball carrier. He has some lateral quickness. He doesn't really have change of direction, but he's got some lateral quickness to try to go out and get you know a running back that's that's flaring out. But the big thing that I noticed about him, two things. One, not grading coverage, and I don't know if that's his fault or if how Oklahoma uses him is just basically like a drop back zone kind of a thing. It seems like he's he's does the he does the head turning, but it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing with it. It's almost like he's he's been taught to do that, and but he doesn't. That doesn't seem like he's diagnosing what's happening all the time. Uh, but the biggest thing that I found is this dude is so eager to get in and make a tackle that he'll over pursue or he'll hit the wrong hole. He won't see where the running Not back's great. going. He's going to see that spot and jump to where he thinks they're going to be, and then he just watches him run past him. And Why does that feel like Jared Davis all over again? I mean, to an extent, yeah, I think there's a little bit of Jared Davis, but uh, Jared Davis, I think, was a better pass rusher. I don't see Stutzman doing a ton of that. He definitely has the speed to go against interior linemen, like you could do A-gap blitzing with him, certainly, uh, but I wouldn't do a whole lot else. So here's the thing. A lot of tackles so far, but finds, and that's, I think, because he's so eager to get in there, but he finds himself out of position a lot, at least the stuff that I watch. So I'll be very curious to see how he continues. He's going to go in the gauntlet because I do think when you look at uh, linebackers that are coming out this year, He's still kind of in that conversation for the the second tier after you know some of the the Eichenbergs and and Carters and stuff like that and some of the guys we'll talk about as we get further into the season but uh, definitely needs to show some development in some areas. The last guy I'm going to talk about we'll wrap it up here and I don't know have you watched any tape on Nate Wiggins yet? Uh, from Clemson? Yeah, the cornerback? Mm-hmm. No. Right. Okay. It's hard to find, first off. Here's the thing. I was uh, I was trying to, to dig in and see what we could find, uh, and everyone it goes nuts about his you know, 98-yard touchdown return last year in the, uh, the ACC championship game against mm-hmm. UNC, and that was great. He's clearly got speed. There's one podcast that I just caught a tiny piece of something on YouTube where the dude is basically like, obsessed with this man and believes that he is the best cornerback in college football. I will not sign off on that yet. Here's the thing. He's 6'2", 180, so he definitely needs to, to bulk up a little bit. Not, not at Manuel Forbes level, but still could use to add a little something to his frame. He's had two interceptions. Both of them returned for touchdowns. Both of them were bad throws. 
So both He's of them are not. rumored to run a four-five-five. Five. Right, and that's the thing because it seems like he plays faster than that. I thought he was actually going to be. Uh, a faster well, it number. Seems by, like by how if he he's plays. around 180, 185, this this guy could run. Seems like he would be faster. Than one would say, but you know that's part of the fun. But here's the thing: uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of like numbers. Like when you look at his stats, dude has hardly anything. And I'm still trying to figure out why that is. And I think it's because teams are scared to challenge him. And I don't know exactly why that is. He had, a, he had a good chunk of pass breakups last year. I've got to I've got to watch more Clemson because Nate Wiggins could either be complete smoke and mirrors, and people are just nervous because they've heard he's supposed to be good, or he may be a Revis Island type situation where teams don't even want to test him, so he has no stats. So I'm not sure yet. Nate Wiggins is a guy that we're going to keep watching. Uh, is definitely in the conversation for that top tier of uh, corners based off of what people have been talking about from him. Uh, but I have I'm I have no opinion on this man right now because I don't know what I'm going off of yet. I got to dig into this guy a little more. I couldn't find a ton of video on him, so I've got to watch. I'm just gonna have to watch Clemson games and highlights and see what I can figure out. Great way to end the show. Yeah, he's, on a big shrug. He, <laughs> He's a guy that I, w- I want to know more about myself because he's a guy who you see him going late in the mocks in the first round. He's a guy who's tied to Detroit a lot. So yeah, he's, a, he's in the Lions' long. zone. He's definitely in the Lions' zone. I mean, when you look at certain pieces, yeah, he's definitely projected the back half of the round. I mean, right now it's it's. I mean, shoot, even even Cooper Cooper's in there, Kool Aid's in there, and then it's kind of a big old shrug of who's coming in after I've, them because Kalen King was supposed to, and he's been pretty rough this year. Nate Wiggins could be the I third have a guy. Request. Uh-huh. I got a request and one thing to wrap the show up for okay. my end of things. Well, we, we should be wrapped up. It's been unless I'm crazy. <laughs> you have not done uh, a deep dive on Lassiter from Georgia, right? Nope. You should do a dive on him, and I'll do a dive on Josh Newton, and we'll get learn more about this cornerback class. All right, next week, man. TCU guy, but uh, just saw something come through on the phone here. Oh, Apparently. Yeah? We might be talking about Shadur Sanders going pro. Deion Sanders himself is making a pitch to scouts that, like, hey, both my kids should go play for Atlanta. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Yeah, that sounds like something you do. Here's the thing, though, too, for Shadur, and we'll wrap up on this. Would you come out if you know you're probably third on the list right now? I mean, again, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, if if I know I'm going to be a first-round pick, I don't care. I'd go. I don't know, but there's a big difference between being number one and number 12 when you get picked. That family's not hurting for money. Also true, so that's something to factor in. So, okay, well, that pretty much wraps us up for what we're doing today. We we definitely uh, dug into a lot of stuff, and we'll keep rolling through all of these players we need to talk about for the 2024 NFL Draft, and we'll talk about the guys who are playing in the NFL tomorrow. We'll draft day.